So I have this irrational fear of flying. Like I don't understand why I have this fear of flying, but I do. For whatever reason, I know logically that it is safer to drive a car, sorry, to fly in a plane than it is to drive a car. I know that the pilot isn't trying to intentionally crash the plane. I know all of these things, yet for whatever reason, when I get into a plane, I get nervous. And when I get nervous, I start to sweat. Like I'm not talking like a little sweat, like I, I sweat profusely. And this all kind of came to a head one day when my wife and I were on a holiday and we're traveling 45 minutes by plane. And again, like I know my fear of flying is irrational, but for whatever reason, I'm more comfortable on a bigger plane. And if you know anything about flying, you know that a 45 minute flight doesn't need a big plane. So anyway, we jump into this plane and my wife is doing her best to try and keep me calm. And she's holding my hand and about 20 to 25 minutes into this flight, she stops holding my hand. And it's really difficult for me to make eye contact with her at this point in time because I'm still freaking out. I'm like, babe, what's wrong? Like, why can't you hold my hand? Like, what's going on? And she says, she's like, babe, would you just look at the iPad? Which, and I'm looking at the iPad and I just see this puddle of sweat. I have been so nervous and so freaking out that I've nearly caused water damage to this iPad. Now, why am I telling you this? Why am I letting you know about my inability to not sweat when I'm afraid on a plane? Well, the reason I tell you that is because all of us have fears. You have fears and I have fears. They might be different from each other, but we all have them. Perhaps for you, you have this irrational fear of the dark. Or maybe it's something to do with snakes and spiders or toads or just creepy crawlies in general. Maybe for you, yours is a little bit different. Maybe you have a fear of letting other people down. Maybe you having a, have a fear of being honest in a relationship. Maybe you have a fear that you're just never going to quite measure up as that mom, as that dad, as that husband, as that wife. Now, whether the fear you have is on the list I just mentioned or whether it's something else entirely, we're going to be talking about fear for the next three weeks. Because right now there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of worry in our world. And it leads us to ask the question of, are we destined to live with this perpetual anxiety? Are we destined to live with fear constantly? Really, are we destined to live scared to death? And here's what I know about you, even if you're not a Jesus follower, you hope that the answer to that question is no. You hope that you can overcome fear. You hope that you can overcome anxiety and worry, even if you're not sure how. But before we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about in this series, I think it's important for us to take a beat to say who this series is for and who this series is not for. Because as I was looking and researching and finding all about fear, what I discovered is that the fear is kind of on a continuum. At one end of the continuum is people who, for them, fear is really, really small. I'm not just talking like you have a different fear from someone else. I'm talking about that, that you don't see fear in the same way that other people do. So there's a part of our brain called the amygdala, which has a lot to do with our emotional response to situations. And for some people, the amygdala, when it comes to fear, doesn't operate the way that it does in a lot of other people. And so for them, fear is really, really small. And so if you kind of fit into that group of people, I would say this series is not for you. On the other hand, if maybe you find yourself at the other end of the fear continuum, where your fear is big, your fear is bold, your fear has actually gotten to the point where you can't function from, uh, during day-to-day -day life without medication, I would say this series is also not for you as well. This series is for people who sit in the middle 80%. Now, as we jump into this series, it's important that we start on the same page. So I think it's helpful for us to define what exactly fear is. See, fear is an emotion. Right, that's why I can sit in a plane and sweat profusely 
where maybe you could sit in a plane and not have any reaction at all. So fear is an emotion, but it's caused by something. And what it's caused by is a belief. There's something behind that emotion that causes us to respond in the way in which we do. And what causes that belief is the fear of looming potential loss. See, fear is an emotion caused by the belief of looming potential loss. Fear always says that there's something that's gonna happen in the future that you will lose out. Fear always tells us that you are gonna lose something because of it. Now that we have a working definition of fear, we can begin to do something with the fears that we have in our life. Because understanding fear is the first step to overcoming fear. Which is where Dr. Carl Albrecht comes in. You see, Dr. Albrecht created or began to make popular this idea of a fear hierarchy. It's kind of like a pyramid. On it, there were different levels or layers or categories for fear. At the base of this pyramid is the fear of extinction. That's the fear of dying, but it's more than that. It's the fear of actually ceasing to exist. Then above that, there's what he called mutilation. This is the fear and, and where a lot of people have their fears of snakes and spiders and even toads from. Because what we're afraid of in those situations is that we'll lose a part of our body, that we'll lose a way of living or being that we used to be under our control, but is no longer under our control. The next layer is a fear of loss of autonomy. This comes when we lose something, then it's outside of circumstances that are under our control. This is what leads people to hold on to things and to hoard things because there's always this thought that, well, maybe one day I'll need it. Maybe one day something will change outside of my control. And when that does change, I'll need this item or I'll need that money or I'll need these clothes. Then on top of that is a fear of separation. Now this is, yes, the idea of losing a loved one, but it's also the idea of perhaps losing a friendship or a relationship changing or perhaps losing that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that husband or that wife thinking of you in a different way. And finally, at the top of the fear hierarchy is a fear of the loss of ego. This is where shame and humiliation come in. And when those emotions begin to play, uh, play out in our lives, really what we have to do is say, hmm, is the way that I view myself different than the way other people view me? And that can be challenging for us to reconcile. So with that crash course in fear, let me ask you a question. Where is your fear leading you? If fear was in the driver's seat of your life, where would it lead you? Would it lead you to hoard clothes? Would it lead you to hoard stuff? Would it lead you to hold on to relationships tight? Would it lead you to not be vulnerable? Would it lead you not to address some of those issues in your life that you need to address? Now, there's a word that seems unrelated to fear that's actually gonna help us overcome fear. The problem is when I say this word, you're gonna think to yourself like, how is that word related? What does that word possibly have to do with fear? And the word is love. See what I mean? You're probably thinking to yourself like, like what is, where's the connection? Well, Jesus's best mate, John, he actually wrote a number of letters to followers of Jesus that were around. And he wrote a number of letters. We know them really creatively um, as 1 John and 2 John. We also have a biography that John wrote on the life of Jesus just called John. And it's in John's first letter, 1 John, where John talks about this idea of love and fear. And he says, there is no fear in love. Notice that he doesn't say that with love, fear stops existing. That if you just love, that you'll never feel fear again. No, what he actually says is that love is fear's kryptonite. And then he goes on to say, he says, but perfect love drives out fear. See, 
Fear, a love is fear's kryptonite, not because it eradicates fear, but because when you have perfect love, it expands so much that it pushes fear out, that there is no room in the relationship for fear in this perfect sense of love because love is so expansive. And John isn't talking about love the way in which we might think about love. It's not a rom-com love. It's not a friendship love. it's, It's more than that. It's specifically related to God's love, specifically the death and the resurrection of Jesus that showed and demonstrated God's love for us that we celebrated last week and at Easter. John would say, God's love is fear repellent. Now, if that just makes you cringe because you think to yourself, oh, that's such a typical thing that a preacher would say or a church person would say, could I suggest that before you click out and before you you scroll away, that maybe the reason you think it's so cringeworthy is perhaps because no one's ever clearly explained to you before what God's love is, that you have an idea in your head or you have this you know, Sunday school version of Jesus in your head, but no one has ever actually explained to you what God's love actually is. And if that's you, I'd love to invite you to to just follow with me for the next couple of minutes because I want to introduce you to another historical figure. This person's name is Paul. And Paul goes down in history as a Jesus follower. But he could have very easily gone down in history as the exact opposite. You see, Paul, before he became a Christian, was actually a Christian killer. And then Paul had this encounter with Jesus that radically transformed and changed his life. Now, here's the thing you need to know about Paul is Paul's not a poetic guy. Paul's not someone who kind of writes lyrics and writes songs. But Paul does his best to explain to us what God's love is. And he he describes and paints a picture to the best of he as he can what God's love looks like. And this is how he does it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, Remember what John said is the same thing that Paul's saying. He's not talking about love as in a feeling or an emotion. He's talking about love as displayed in Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And then Paul goes on to list a whole bunch of things. He says, shall trouble or nakedness or danger or persecution or famine or the sword. What Paul is saying is if God's love is as powerful as I believe it is, that it can overcome death then all these things that I've just listed that make up the pyramid of fear, they can't touch me and they can't hurt me. And then he goes on to recite something from the past. He says, as it is written, for your sake, we have faced death all day long. We are considered a sheep to the slaughter. In other words, in order for us to share this message and to share this hope that we have found in Jesus, we've had to face death and look it right in the eye but it hasn't overcome us. And fear hasn't brought us to our knees, even though there is something to be afraid of. And then he says this thing that I love. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Which means that you don't have to let your fear control you. You don't have to let your fear overcome you. Fear doesn't have to become a reality that you're simply comfortable living with. And maybe what Paul is saying is that the purpose of your fear is to point you to God. And then he finishes by writing this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? See, Paul pulls us in at that point. And he says, if God is for you, then there's no fear that can rule you. Now, here's where 
John's words and Paul's words intersect with our reality right now. Because I understand that you might be sitting there and you think, well, well, Chris, that's great that you've got that pithy saying, like, if God is for me, who can be against me? Like, I get, I get all of that, but the reality is fear is ruling me right now. And I do feel afraid and I don't know what to do about it. And if Paul and John were sitting here having a conversation with you, I think that what they would say to you is, hey, that's completely normal to feel that way. That you don't overcome your fear in a moment. That actually overcoming your fear is part of a process. It's something that you learn to do over and over and over again through time. So here's what I want you to begin to do this week. In order to help you begin that process, what I want you to do is I want you to identify your fear. See, identifying your fear, not just thinking about it, not just ruminating on it, but actually writing it down. Pull out your phone or pull out a piece of paper and actually physically write down and see face-to-face your fear or maybe the fears that you have. And if you're a Jesus follower, one of the things that I'd encourage you to do is just to simply ask that same question that Paul asked, like, what can separate me from the love of God? And insert that fear in there and say, can this fear separate me from the love of God? Because as a Jesus follower, God's love gives fear something to fear. Now, I understand if you're not a Jesus follower, you're probably thinking to yourself like, well, well, where do I fit in on this? But the reality is you too can begin to identify your fear because regardless of how you think about Jesus, Jesus actually believes that the room is better when you're in it. Jesus actually believes that you have something valuable to give to the world. Jesus believes that your voice is unique and Jesus actually created you to share that unique voice with the world. But here's the thing, fear will stop you from doing that. Fear will prevent you from doing that. And so it is in your interest as well to begin to identify your fears. Why? Because the best you is a fearless you. So regardless of whether you're a Jesus follower or not, this week, I'd encourage you just to begin to identify the fears that you have in your life. Because the reality for all of us is, is that we are better when there is less fear in our lives. So this week, identify your fears. And we'll see you on social media throughout the week.